Welcome back to, oh my gosh, I already forgot what it's called. Beyond the Bulletin. Oh, I thought it was called Padcast. No, Beyond the Bulletin. Beyond the Bulletin. Alrighty. In this episode, we're going to talk about our new parish vision statement, to belong here, to believe in Jesus Christ, and to bless others. You got it. Super simple. Thank you. (laughs) Belong, believe, bless. Belong, believe, and I keep wanting to say bless, but it's bless. Bless. Belong, believe, and bless. You got it. Nailed it. Okay. <laughs> and the reason why we do that, you hear that in a lot of like mega churches, right? That's to love others, to love God, and to serve the world and things like that. They come up with these very pithy statements that not only drive the mission of the church, but also how they frame everything else around it. And doing a whole bunch of research with this, we wanted to be able to present something that was broad enough that our parish could understand and kind of rally around, but was also specific enough that you could deduce action from it, right? It drove us to a better version of our church than what it was before. A true vision of where we could be and where we should be. Yeah, and I think, uh, it, you know, it's a, it's important to remember, too, that this isn't replacing our parish mission statement, right, that was that was made 20 years ago um, at the very beginning of the founding of our parish. That still isn't existent. This vision statement is kind of more of a recognition of how much we've grown in those 20 years, now almost 21 years. Um, and so... The vision really is to kind of help us almost like rally all 100 ministries, all the different faith formation activities, all those things under one umbrella um, to make sure we're all kind of on the same path. Um, And so it's, you know, uh, Mike, you were kind of talking about how, you know, we and, and. while Mike and I were definitely involved, I think it's important who, who was involved with this. You know, it wasn't just the two of us sitting in a room like we are right now. <laughs> although, a really nice room. Although it would have been fun. It would have. Uh, no, but it was really, uh, it was interesting. It was not only us, but it was other members of our staff and then our pastoral council and clergy members. And it was a lot of people talking over about an eight-month time frame and praying. And there was different kind of iterations and versions that were coming out um, before we finally landed on this belong, believe, bless. Um, and what I love about it was we could never figure out that third word bless. <laughs> we knew like the action was like a sending out action, right? Yeah. Like once you've been blessed and you believe and have a, or, or once you belong and, and believe in Jesus, you need to go out and do something, but we could not figure out <laughs> that third word. Yeah. We used at first it was behave. Yes. And we were all like, that sounds like a, like your, your, your school marmish, like, <laughs> you better behave, kids! Right, or like a nun with a ruler, and we all know how that mentality worked out for the church. <laughs> yeah. uh, splendidly, I believe is the answer. Splendidly, Splendidly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so we actually sat in a room. So uh, the original documents came to us um, from the parish council, and it had these grand three areas of focus. And as we began to narrow this stuff down and talk and have a conversation about it, the first two areas very clearly were belong and believe. Like, what do we believe? How are we building hospitality and community for belonging? But that last one, bless, we were struggling and struggling with it. And we were all trying to come up with something that makes sense for the parish and all this stuff. But also, it has to be memorable. It has to be portable. You have to be able to have it in your head. Right. Alliteration's pretty good with stuff like yeah. that. So we kept coming back to behave, but we, we all hated it, but we all kept coming back to it. And then I remembered a story told to us by um, a church that funded missionaries to Thailand. And they did two different models, a converter model and a blessing model. And the converted model was essentially a guy standing on the street corner with tracks about how to believe in Jesus. And they would just be like, hey, you heathen person, do you want to have a relationship with God? Do you know what Jesus did for you? 
And the other model, the blessers, were people whose whole function was move into the same neighborhood and be very public about your Christian faith. But the whole idea was you're there to bless your neighbor. At the end of one year, they brought the missionaries back. The converters converted two people. The blessers converted a hundred people. And it was this notion that carrying the gospel, the gospel message, needs to be this thing called gospel neighboring. Right. right. And I think that it was also interesting that this kind of all came about in this third piece was what we struggled with, but it was also so obvious the yeah. year that we were developing this because we were in the 20th anniversary. We had just gone through um, Hurricane Harvey, right? Yeah. As as not only a, as a parish community, but as a citywide community, as a region. And when thinking back on it, I was like, oh, this is so obvious because our, our parishioners like to bless. Like it's we, we have a lot of great classes and people love the formation. You know, we have the Padawan ambassadors that do such a good job at helping people to belong. Um, but we've never thought of ourselves as really blessing. And right. I, I'm glad that we finally defined that because that is a characteristic of this parish that is, is very present. Um, and our, our parishioners have made that obvious. Yeah. And the notion of blessing is great because it's spiritual. It's not just giving. It's not just serving. But it's seeing it as connected to what God is up to. Right. Through God, I'm going to bless others, right? This, this cooperation in God's work of saving and redeeming people and reconciling the world to himself. It is totally charged with this, you know, very, very biblical understanding. I'm here to bless you. You know who else was good at that, at making that connection? Hmm. Mother Teresa. Hmm. We should name a building after her. <gasps> oh, wait, we did. We did. We did. And wouldn't yeah. you know it, it's oh where gosh. a food pantry is. Look at that. Second largest food pantry in Montgomery County. Yeah. Man. That's impressive. It's almost like the Holy Spirit, like, is moving through these decisions. Mm. Almost. 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 If only our parish staff would pray to the Holy Spirit more. Oh, wait. We do. We do. You're welcome, America. Just kidding. (laughs) I got to stop saying that. uh, (laughs) One of the things that is awesome about that St. Teresa Center is that whole building, though it does have classroom space and uh, for two different kind of uh, spaces for classrooms, overwhelmingly that building is dedicated to one purpose, which is blessing our neighbors in need. And I I remember talking with a, a gentleman who was like, you know, I'm really weary about giving handouts to poor people. And I was like, whoa, okay. Matthew 25, judgment of the nations notwithstanding, sheep and goats. Why do you say that? And he said, well, I don't want to be someone who's enabling someone who is failing all this stuff. And I remember thinking about that and talking about that with this guy and just really leaving the conversation unsettled. And it wasn't until I came across this writing by um, a, a, a Presbyterian reverend named Timothy Keller. He talked about this notion of what is the church's role in providing the needs for the poor And he says, an individual and a local church can do one of two things or two of three things. I mean, number one is immediate relief. Right. Which we saw during Harvey. It was unbelievable. Yeah. And people mobilized at our parish every single day. All you good old boys with your pickup trucks (laughs) lined up, right? Uh, And just filled the beds and drove them off. Uh, into Houston. But the other thing is, so you have immediate relief. That's what individuals do and parishes can do. And then you have that next step, which is like development. Parish can, parishes can do that, but really individuals can't. Development being uh, education, right? So at St. Lawrence in Sugarland, as an example. Te- have, teach a man to fish is what you're talking about. Exactly. Yeah. So the English classes for, you know, people who are new to the country, all of this stuff to help them acclimate to, uh, you know, whatever they need, skills and type of stuff. The last is, like, legislation reform, right? And that thing, the local church should not be a part of, right? It's beyond our pay grade, as we say. But when you look at something like the food pantry, 
we provide immediate relief for families. And I remember back when I was a youth minister, when the recession hit, you had men driving up with their heads low, tear-stained eyes, right, rolling up in a brand new Escalade. And some of the kids, the teenagers back when I was a youth minister, were like, I don't want to put this bag in there. This guy's rolling up in an Escalade. And uh, Tom, who was running the food pantry at the time, he said, Tom Gosset. Yes. Yeah, we love Tom Gosset. We love Tom Gosset. Shout out to a great parishioner. Absolutely. He said, <laughs> he said, well, what do you think? Like, do you think this guy can just sell this car right now? Everyone has these Escalades that no one wants to buy or can buy in this recession. So they're stuck with a payment on a car that's too much car that they can't make. And they can't even buy groceries for their kids. And yeah. it just shows you poverty in a totally different way. And that guy needed immediate relief for his family. And our parish, because of that food pantry, now at the St. Teresa Center, was able to provide. That's cool. Yeah. So, yeah, so we've talked a lot about the blessed part now. We've actually almost, like, gone in reverse order. Maybe we should go back to the, the first two, to belong and believe. Yeah. yeah. And, and yeah. kind of talk about those a little bit. So. Um, I think that, you know, one of the interesting things about the order that we've chosen for this vision statement, belong, believe, bless. I've heard a lot of people, you know, when we first announced it, say, well, shouldn't you believe in Jesus first um, before you can belong? And, you know, we actually did think about that and we prayed through that. Gomer, I wanted to see if you wanted to kind of explain that. Yeah, so that was the most controversial part of this whole thing. Because people were like, how can you belong to the church if you don't believe in the teachings of the church? Right. And I said, you have a, you, you're not thinking about it in the way that we're trying to approach this. People belong to groups, to friendships, to this and that. I said, we have a million different contact, contact points in our own life where we belong to things, right? I'm a Kroger club card member or whatever, right? <laughs> now, all of those things do something. That is, it connects me to a wider group of people. And so someone said, well, how am I going to you know, know what the church teaches if I belong to the church? I said, don't think of it as belonging to the church. I said, think of it first and foremost as you as a parishioner. You have friends that belong to you and you to them. We belong to each other. And it's through that sense of belonging that they can come in to believe who Christ is. But what we've discovered through study after study, particularly by groups like the Barna Group that does specifically religious Christian-focused studies, is that people don't want to believe first. Postmodernism is a thing where they are sketchy. They are super, super sketchy and cynical about truth claims, right? Saying, I have the capital T truth. But if you can love them for who they are, right, you can love people actually into the church. And the postmodern kind of mindset is, I'm skeptical until your life shows me otherwise. So our goal is to help people belong. No, that doesn't mean giving Holy Communion to people who aren't baptized. What it means is forming a million points of contact with people so that they know, not that they belong so that we can make them Catholics and up our rosters. Lord knows we don't need any of that. But that they know that they belong and that we belong to them. Right. And I, I like what you said about like the postmodern mindset about all this. Because if you think about things that are like... Um, successful that are kind of newer in the past five years, like in society, like a food truck park is a great example of that, right? Like 
the trucks rotate out, essentially saying that the people that go to these places, they don't even care if there's a consistency of food trucks. They don't care about that. They go because of the atmosphere of belonging. Um, that's more important to them. Uh, and so I think that that's kind of an important distinction uh, to make. And then also the other thing that I love about the order of this is that um, everything, and, and I learned this kind of in my catechetics and theology classes and in undergrad, is that everything that we do as church should have Christ at the center. Um, and so I really think that this belong, believe, bless kind of highlights that. It puts Christ at the center. It makes everything Christocentric that we're doing as a parish. Ooh, um, Christocentric. That's a big word. You, you are welcome. You play that in Scrabble, you instantly win the game. It folds into a black hole, never to be seen again. Wow. Yeah. Christocentric, all one word. We're going to play Scrabble later? Uh, probably. Perfect. Probably. Looking forward to it. <laughs> so the other statement that we have is believe. And this is so important. In a skeptical age, we are unashamed to propose Jesus Christ for people's belief. So one of the things that I do as the adult formation director is the RCIA. I love helping people get baptized, become Catholic. If they already are baptized, we have a program called Inclusion that people might fit into. If they're Protestants wanting to become Catholic. One of the things that I've discovered in our postmodern world is that people don't understand the nature of belief because we use it today as opinion, right? So we say, well, I believe they're at the store. We mean, I, I think, maybe, sort of, it's an unsure knowledge. But that's not the understanding of belief through the eyes of the Catholic Church. Belief, or supernatural faith, is you get at truth through what you've heard. And that's one of the most important things. Yes, you can see truth for yourself. We call that reason. Or you could hear the truth from what others have seen. It's the word made flesh. It's the word made flesh. I didn't see Jesus, though. That's why Jesus to St. Thomas, the doubting apostle, right? The great doubting Thomas. I think the doubting Thomas image or the story in, in John's gospel is so perfect for our postmodern culture. Because John says, you know, all the rest of the apostles saw the risen Lord. And he's like, I'm not going to believe until I shove my fingers into his wounds. I, I should have been named Thomas. Yeah. That would have been me. That would have been you. For sure. It's so funny because, like, everyone's like, we just saw the risen Lord. And he's like, no, you didn't. Like, <laughs> yes, we did. The women who saw him last week, they saw him with their own eyes. And now we saw him. No, you didn't. That's why I'm not a youth minister anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but that notion of, like, I'm not going to believe unless I shove my fingers into his wounds. And then Jesus appears in front of Thomas. Thomas falls down on his knees and says, my Lord and my God, which is a great thing to say when they elevate the Eucharist at Mass. And Jesus, I, I feel like Jesus is like, oh, no, I'm not letting you off easy. Takes his finger and shoves it into his wounds, into his side. And he says to this, blessed are you, Simon, because you've seen. But blessed are those who have not seen yet still believe. And that describes us. We are Christians because of the testimony of those who have come before us. The Christian faith, for it to be believed, must be handed on, and we trace it all the way back to those great eyewitnesses that we call the apostles and the things that they've done and accomplished. And so our, our kind of pithy mission statement is that you belong here, that we are going to go out of our way to carve a space for you here, that you belong here, that you believe in Jesus Christ, not just God, not just a supreme being or a higher power, but that you believe that God's son, Jesus Christ, the incarnate word of God, entered into the human story, died on a cross, rose from the dead, and is now sitting at the right hand of the Father. And that because of what Jesus did for us, we then reciprocate that love to one another by blessing others. Mm -hmm. Belong here, believe in Jesus Christ, and bless. bless.
Bleth? Bleth. Bleth. It's very, very difficult to say. difficult. Yeah. Especially at the end of the day. Uh, belong here, believe in Jesus Christ, and bless others. And then it's also kind of cyclical too, right? Because when you yeah. bless others, then they may come to feel like they belong here. Yeah. And so the whole process starts over again. And that's how we become... Uh, you know, as, as some people are now talking in different church circles, that's how we become a parish that's focused on mission instead of being a maintenance parish, yes. which that was another thing that came out a lot in prayer, uh, during the 20th anniversary between the staff and the pastoral council was just, um, it, and for those who don't know, the pastoral council is, uh, it's a group of lay, um, advisors that kind of, uh, you know, talk about the different the mission and the vision of the parish and how things are being carried out. And they're kind of provide advisory counsel to the parish staff. And so we're talking about all these things. Uh, you know, we realized that it would be very easy as a parish to rest on our laurels at 20 years and not try to allow God to do something deeper in each one of us personally, but more so as a community and as a parish. So, um, so our goal is to not become a maintenance parish and just kind of uh, maintaining what we've had the first 20 years, but to be a mission parish and let God continue to uh, really just kind of wow us in the next 20 years and beyond. So, um, so yeah, that's pretty cool. You know, something else I was thinking about, Gomer, that made me laugh when you're talking about the believe part and, and uh, doubting Thomas is how nasty it is to think about someone putting their finger in a wound. <laughs> but how cool it is, because really, when you talk about like belief in Jesus Christ, it's messy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's gory and it's, and sometimes it's not like the prettiest image, uh, you know, or the prettiest, uh, Catholic artwork that we might have in our homes. <laughs> it's, yeah. I mean, it's literally a messy process sometimes to believe in Jesus. And that's something that, you know, I have to remind myself when I'm having maybe a bad day in the office, or maybe I'm struggling with my kids to pay attention in mass on Sunday, or it's the summer of 2018 in the church today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or there's just, Hey, uh, a huge, massive church scandal, whatever it is. Like, <laughs> Um, I, the summer of yeah, scandal. Yeah, like there's there's so much that you can unpack in that story of Doubting Thomas in the Gospel of John. It's true. It's true. Although the theological nerd in me does want to point out that it was Jesus' glorified body, so they weren't oh, like gushing wounds. Oh my gosh, it's uh, still weird. <laughs> it is weird. It's still weird. It, I can just imagine St. Thomas being like, my Lord and my God, and Jesus just being like, no, oh, I, I, I can play back the tape if you want. You said, shove my fingers into his wounds. We're doing this right now. So do you think if it was his glorified body, were there like bandages there? No. 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 It no. just would have been. The point it of. Would have, it would have looked like the crucifix like in our church or like. Yeah, the, 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 the ripped Jesus. No. CrossFit no, Jesus. The CrossFit Jesus. Yes. Pun intended. Yeah. But I do want to make a, another follow-up theological point. The wounds were there. To show that it was the same body that was crucified, but the wounds weren't diseased like our wounds would be, or you know, there was no it, Jesus wasn't resuscitated. So essentially, you just totally undercut my point. I mean, that's okay. I, that's okay. This is the beauty of <laughs> the church, the church, and this podcast. Uh, no, no, it's great. I, this is I need you to keep me on track so that I don't speak heresy in my own mind. This is also why I try to avoid microphones most of the time. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. So I'm going to do that mission statement one more time because I think you can put this in your own life and it'll apply just as much to your own life as it does for all of our 100 plus ministries here at the parish as it does within each ministry. Some ministries are really good at that belonging component. Some are good at the believing, maybe it's a class or whatever. Some are good at blessing, like the food pantry. But each ministry, it behooves you, 
Yes, I said behooves. Wow, I know. It another, behooves. Another B word. It, be, <laughs> it behooves to belong. No, what we need to do, no matter where your ministry predominantly falls on that spectrum, you need to make sure that you're helping people belong, that you're growing what they believe in, in the truth of Jesus Christ, and that you're helping them, not just blessing them, but helping them to become a blessing to others. So this is a, there's movement here, and like you said, it's cyclical. Hopefully it's a spiral going up, right? Yep. I think so. To belong here, to believe in Jesus Christ, and to bless others. That's what it means. That's our vision at St. Anthony of Padua. Thank you all for listening. See ya.